Being a chef means keeping your cool in the kitchen. And with Resi Priority Notify and Global Dining Access through my Amex Platinum card, right this way, it's nice to try someone else's food for a change. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying a, a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love, Love at First, first Listen. listen. This season, we're falling in love with podcasting all over again. With new segments, correspondence, and a new sound. Listen to Locatora Radio as part of the Michael Dura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Volume. It's Boxing with Chris Mannix, presented by FanDuel. Football season is underway. Basketball is right around the corner, and there is no better place to get in on that action than FanDuel. The app is safe, secure, and easy to use. FanDuel always has exclusive offers. When you win, you'll get paid fast. FanDuel has a lot of ways to play, like the spread, money line, over-unders, team totals, player props, and so much more. Jump into the action at any time during the game with live betting. Combine multiple bets from the same game in a same-game parlay and try out the Same Game Parlay Plus. So use the promo code BOXING and download the FanDuel app today to make every moment more during this football season. And get ready, NBA season is right around the corner. This is Boxing with Chris Mannix. Oh, somebody punch him in the face. Anthony Joshua is a composed and ferocious finisher. Watch this. Andy Ruiz is the heavyweight champion. Hosted by SI's Chris Mannix. That was my moment. Now with interviews, analysis, and everything going on in the world of boxing. When you have talent, you are given another chance. Here's Chris Mannix. All right. I'm going to be in a bad mood. Kevin Ioli is here. Yahoo Sports. Jamel Herring, the former 130-pound champion ESPN broadcaster. Uh, there's a lot of good things I want to talk about in boxing, fellas, but like I've had one of those days. I'm recording this on Thursday afternoon, and my optimism for Errol Spence, Terrence Crawford has never been lower. My optimism for Tank Davis against Ryan Garcia has never been lower. Uh, it, like We're just back on that endless hamster wheel of boxing where we get excited about stuff, and then... We're back down once again. I I hate it. I hate it. I mean, actually, Jamel, let me put this to you first. Like, you had, you've been close with Terrence for a number of years. Sure. You used to be in his camp. Um, I, what do you think of all this? Like, this is a, this is a fight obviously not going to happen in November. Um, and February, even though that's kind of a penciled-in date, still not etched in stone at this point. Are you surprised that we're here right now? Um, no, I mean, no, like I said, I'm actually close to both Errol and, um, and, and Bud and all this, but as a fight fan, I will say that it is, it's definitely disappointing. It's definitely disappointing because, um, this fight this is one of the fights that it's probably one of the most anticipated fights, but it's like, it's like one of the most never happening fights ever. <laughs> every time, every time we, we think we're getting close, we get pushed back 10, you know, 10 steps backwards. So it, it is frustrating, but. I hope, like I said, there's no guarantee in February, but we shall see. Kevin, you know what's interesting is that, like, guaranteed money, which often holds up big fights, is not the issue here. Like, from what right. I understand, neither one of these guys is taking a guarantee. They're just taking the big percentages of the purse split. It's it's something else. There's There's other ancillary issues that seem to be holding this thing up. Well, one of the things that I have heard and I think is accurate is the fact that essentially doing that, Crawford wants to be able to see what all the expenses are. 
And that basically will make him Al Heyman's partner because he has to see all the numbers. And Al Heyman is not going to send to Bud Crawford all uh, how he promotes the fight, what he spends to do this, that, and the other thing. Uh, because, you know, number one, hey, look, if Crawford's uh, pay is um, – uh, dependent upon what they spend, then he's going to not promote the fight. He's going to spend as little as, as he can so that he gets as much as he can. So I, I think it's really a financial issue, but it's on the fact that they're both on the come. And I think that's a, a really issue. The, the other thing I think is if you look at Crawford's uh, pay history, right? Look at he made $6 million to fight um, uh, Sean Porter. Sean was at the end of the line, uh, certainly was no longer the guy that he was, say, in 2017 or 2018. Bud makes $6 million for that for a fight that sold no tickets, had basically every ticket in Mandalay Bay given away that night. Um, and now you're going to say, you know, I'm fighting Errol Spence for, you know, he, it's hard to make that jump. And there's not the kind of money in the fight to pay him what he really would want in a guarantee. Yeah, there's not, um, which I think is going to lead to both these guys taking other fights. We know that Keith Thurman is out there as a potential opponent for Errol Spence. I've heard the name David Avenesian floated for Bud Crawford, you know, potentially before the end of the year. I know I've, I've, I know that Avenesian may have something scheduled, but that's a name to keep an eye on for Bud Crawford before the end of the year. That would be disappointing. I'm equally as disappointed at, at Tank and Ryan, which I think is going to get scuttled because of broadcast issues. Um, I, I think there's, I think they're right there, Jamel, on a deal for weight, uh, just above 135 pounds, 136, 137. I think they're right there on money, but, you know, there's no broadcast agreement. And Ryan is tied to the zone. Gervonta is tied to Showtime. This feels like one of those things that's going to get derailed because of a broadcaster. And I'm not sure if that makes – I'm not sure which pisses me off more at this point, whether it's <laughs> Bud and Errol not being able to get past financial issues or Ryan and Tank not being able to overcome broadcast issues. I mean, I will say this. Um, with the Errol and Bud situation, um, Crawford situation, I'm, I'm more I'm – I'm actually more worried about the sanctioned body actually, you know, being fed up and actually calling for the mandatory challenges to step up eventually. That's, that's, they that's, should, that's, right, that's, though? That's, like, should they? Yeah, that's my main concern. You know, the, the mandatory challenges to the WBO and the IBF uh, are actually stepping up and saying, hey, you know, we waited long enough. This And, um, you know, and now it's our turn. In terms of the, um, Ryan and Tank, um, yes, Chris, I, I agree with you. I feel like as if we live in an era now, it's not so much of the promoters stopping fights. It's more of the networks in which fight the network goes on these days. So it's, it's just a lot to process. Yeah, it's a lot. And, well, sanctioning bodies, first of all, fuck you, WBC, when you're <laughs> Keith Thurman, you know, as the mandatory. Like, you did you, you one win in, like, two years. All of a sudden, you make your way into the number one spot in their rankings. That, to me, is wild. But, look, I'd love to see the WBO order Virgil Ortiz against Terrence Crawford. That, to me, is a, a marketable fight. fight. And, look, if, if you're Terrence Crawford and you're faced with the possibility of having to fight Virgil Ortiz, a fight you'd be a favorite in, but for considerably less money – Maybe that pushes you over kind of the goal line there. I don't know. Like Right now, as we're recording this, I don't believe either one of those fights happens. Mm. I don't believe. You know, Chris, I, I wrote in my column on women's boxing on Saturday. I talked about how the women are showing the men how to do it, right? They're taking yeah. big fights. They're looking to unify. They're doing everything. And if you look at, like, like, like look at Leonard Ellerby's comments. Anytime anybody on social media talks about Tank, you know, they say, how, why don't you have Tank fight X? Leonard always, the first thing he says every time, he's the bigger draw, he's the bigger, he never talks about the fighting aspect of it, right? And I I think that, that that is the problem with boxing. I understand it's a business and I understand the fighters need to, you know, they're risking their lives. They need to make the most money, but it is also a professional sport. And you don't hear Bill Belichick saying, we're not going to play the Chiefs because there's not enough ticket revenue in it, right? They play the Chiefs because that's the game on the schedule. And so you can get the business done if you really want to get the business done. But I think what you see, you know, what PBC is doing, and hey, I want to say this. I wrote a column a couple of years ago saying Al Heyman should be in the Hall of Fame. So I am not saying this as a Heyman hater. But I think if you look at his modus operandi, look at he has done with the welterweights, going back to Mayweather and Pacquiao, he let it play out. They had all those great welterweights. 
So he let Mayweather fight everybody else until he had no choice but to fight Pacquiao. And now he's done that same thing as Thurman and Crawford, or not Crawford, excuse me, Thurman uh, and Spence and Porter, Danny Garcia. They they did their thing and fought each other, right? Now that he, you know, is coming to the end of that, he's at least open to a fight uh, with Crawford. But I think, you know, he's going to get, you know, if you look at him, I think his criticism deserves to be there. He's not one looking to make a fight until he's exhausted all internal options. Uh, Jamel, the, the problem is it, it, with bo in boxing right now is nobody's actually fighting. Like all these guys are fighting once a year. Like you, you can't you can't build a brand. You can't build a legacy. You can't build towards big pay-per-views if you're only fighting once a year. And those one fights, and we're going to get into Wilder and Caleb Plant, like these are tune-ups that, that guys are taking. Like you got to... You can't just do your fighting on social media and YouTube. You've got to get in the <laughs> ring and, show, and give people a reason to to want to support you. No, no, I, I I get it. I get it. It's very frustrating. And um, even when I point that out on social media, sometimes you know they look at me as like, oh, that that's 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 the old way of boxing, which is sad because I still I still believe in you know the best fighting the best, obviously. But it seems like like you guys pointed out, every time you get on, every time you, you make a statement for one fighter. You know their their handler or, or their team will make a will make an argument how this fighter deserves this this who who's the A side who's the bigger draw and I, I, over time you know it's got it's gotten real old like for the most part the fans don't really care who's the bigger draw who brings in the most money we just want to see the fights exactly that's it but like and anytime someone tells you that's the old way of boxing Jamel <laughs> like point out to them like. Like this is I say I feel like saying this every time like a boxing power broker talks to me like kind of condescendingly like you don't know how tough it is to make a deal you don't know the business of boxing well boxing in the last 20 years has steadily declined like it's not on the upswing like the nba the nfl all these other major professional sports boxing power brokers telling me they know what they're doing is like the captain of the titanic telling me they know how to navigate like it's it doesn't it's just it doesn't make any sequential sense like you are during and operating in a period where things are going down like right. you know Roger Goodell can tell me he knows what he's doing with business. Adam Silver can tell me he knows what he's doing in business. People in boxing right now, they can't. Because right now, boxing is not ascending when it should be. Because every time there's a big fight, the world stops. People, The world would stop if Spence fought Crawford. The world stopped when Fury fought Wilder those two last two times. Like, boxing can still draw you in. It just refused to do so on uh, a consistent basis. All right, that's the end of my opening rant. That was... 10 minutes of stuff that was not on our rundown uh, whatsoever. I, I want to talk, though, about uh, Deontay Wilder this past weekend. Made his return to the ring after a nearly year-long layoff. Ended a two-fight losing streak with a first-round knockout of Robert Hellenius. The win was officially a title eliminator for Wilder, which means if Wilder wins one more fight, likely against Andy Ruiz, he could become the mandatory challenger for Tyson Fury's WBC belt. Jamel, I'll start with you. One round, less than three minutes, but Wilder looked once again like the Deontay Wilder of old. Did what was your reaction to his win? Did we learn anything new about Deontay Wilder? No, nah, I'm not. I'm not. We were, no, I don't think anybody was surprised. I think. I think if anything, we all wanted to see where his his mental state was at in terms of everything going on. We we knew that he still had the right hand. We we all figured that. I mean, especially with him being there with, with a, a former sparring partner, somebody he's um very familiar with that he, he was going to do what he was going to do. I, I think it's, it's more of um, his mental aspect after the victory. Um, you know, how did, how does he, you know, carry himself now? You know, where, where's his mind at? Because people had a lot of doubts after the, the, um, the last two Fury fights um, where his head was at and if he still had it. So, I, I mean, for me, it was still the same or Wilder that we got before the Tyson Fury fights. It, for me, it's more of, um, you know, where, where his headspace is at now going, moving into the future. And hopefully we'll see more of that with a fight against a guy like Andy Ruiz. Kevin, I'll tell you, I, I like that Wilder came in at 214. It never made any sense to me that he was up in the two high 230s for that last fight. I mean, muscle is heavy. And right. if you're Wilder, you want to be in his nimble condition. And as, his quickness. Yeah, like I, I liked what I saw of him physically. Um you know, Hellenius was what he was, right. right? He was he was a credible opponent because he knocked out Adam Kovnowski twice. He earned that opportunity. But I think we all saw the writing on the wall. Hellenius had been stopped by Gerald Washington. He'd been stopped by Yoan Duapas. He's 38 years old. So I don't think I learned too much new, but it was good to see Wilder still had that right. kind of hair trigger right hand. And 
it's good to see him back in the ring. I think he's right that heavyweight boxing is better with him in it. Oh, no doubt. I mean, he's, you know, he's one of the most exciting fighters of my lifetime, right? I mean, there's no doubt about it because people love knockouts. Remember, what was the, was it the Nike commercials? Chicks love the long ball. Well, boxing fans love the KO, right? That's what, you know, if you can knock people out, people are going to watch and pay attention to you. The thing that I was impressed about with Wilder, and I wrote this before the fight, was, you know, he took such a beating against Fury. Sometimes the body only has so many punches you can take. And for two fights in a row, he got pummeled right he did he dished out especially in that third fight i mean that third fight was one of the great heavyweight fights of our time um but you know how does he come back from that i knew hey if he's deontay wilder which it turned out he was he would do what he did to robert elenius you know i thought you know three or four maybe i thought it would take him a little bit to get into it but that's what wilder does but i i was so impressed with him because, you know, hey, this is a guy on the downside of his career. He's no longer ascending. He's on the downside. Uh, I think he still has some big fights left. And he showed, you know what, to me when I watched it, and I don't know what you guys think, but I thought, hey, this guy is as hard a puncher as there's ever been in boxing. A lot of times we dismiss the current fighters. In baseball, they don't do that, right? In football, they don't do that. You look at football and the time, the 40 times gets quicker all the time and the weightlifting is better and their athletic ability is better, right? But we don't give boxers that same credit. And we always say, hey, boxers in the 20s or 30s or 40s were better than the boxers today. And I think we have better athletes fighting today their their training is better their conditioning is better so why wouldn't you know Deontay Wilder we see him destroying people as a puncher why wouldn't you call him the greatest puncher ever yeah he's certainly right up there and he's got a chance to show it maybe in his next fight against Andy Ruiz which I think is a terrific fight two former heavyweight champions uh it seems like a pretty easy fight to put together both these fighters are aligned with PBC that strikes me if Wilder Hellenius is a pay-per-view, then Wilder Ruiz is certainly going to be a pay-per-view, so you can put it on that platform. Jamel, that 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 to me is the fight where we learn something about Deontay Wilder. What what do you think of a Wilder Ruiz uh type of fight? I think it's good. I think it's good for um for boxing. I mean, we all know that in, in the history of the heavyweight division, all you really need is that one comeback win. And then, like I said, we all love knockouts, so that's all it really took. It didn't really matter who Deontay was in there with. As long as he got that, as long as he still proved that he had that knockout power, people are still going to obviously still tune in to see what, what he can do next. And um, Andy Ruiz is a man that's proven, you know, he's beaten the odds before. I mean, he's, he dominated his first fight against Anthony Joshua. So why not make it? But as you like to point out, again, this is boxing. I mean, look at the situation between Plant, Benavidez, and, um, and, and others such, such as Charlo. They're on the they're on the same platform, but it's still it still could be sometimes difficult to make these fights that we want to see. Well, you know what the problem is, Kevin. It, it's that these guarantees are killing pay per views, and I say this with all due respect to to fighters like Jamel and fighters that put their lives on the line. But there should not be significant guarantees in pay per views. There didn't used to be. Like fighters should get you know, 90% of the pay-per-view revenue. They should get almost all of it. I mean, promoters should get enough money to make it worth their while doing it. Networks, of course, will take a small cut, but fighters should take, you know, the big bulk of the pay-per-view revenue. Nowadays, you can't get a pay-per-view done without guaranteeing fighter X 5 million or fighter Y yeah. 1 million. That That's what's stalling all these because if you were just doing straight splits, right. it would be easy to make Benavidez against Plant. It would be easy to make Wilder against Ruiz. They would step in there and take the money. But I think, look, I think these fighters know that you know, the, there's a pretty good chance that the pay-per-view buys are not going to be significant enough to give them the kind of payday that they're looking for. Right. And, and I mean, like, Think about it. What does Spence Crawford do? You know, I think five to six hundred thousand. Yeah. Right. That's that's a fight that talent wise should be a million and a half. Right. Because these two unbelievably great fighters, you know, arguably the two best fighters in the world at, at worst, two of the five best fighters in the world. 
that should be a fight and they're both undefeated they're both in their prime that should be a fight that breaks pay-per-view records but we know it won't you know part of it is the way you know, both guys are personally like they 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 don't promote and they don't do that type of thing you know especially bud you know bud's a lot uh more difficult and surly with the media and it's not as available you know errol's a, um is available to the media but he certainly is not like a colorful guy that you know gets you going and so you know there's nothing that gets them other than they're fighting and in order for a pay-per-view to, to be a success, you have to draw in other than the hardcore boxing fans. You know that. And when you can't get the hardcore boxing fans because they don't hear about these guys because they don't get themselves out there in the media, I think that's a problem. So, you know, but let me just say, add one thing in here. I, you're talking about Andy Ruiz, and I, I wrote a column ripping Andy Ruiz's management before he fought Luis Ortiz and saying that they should have been fighting Wilder then. I think the next fight for Wilder now, Ortiz is good, but I want to see a Wilder Joshua. And why not that fight next? Eddie Hearn seems open to it at, at this point. Why not put Wilder versus Joshua next? To me, you know, the two big guys, I think Wilder, excuse me, Joshua has a better resume than Ruiz. You know, they're one, one in their fights, but Joshua's fought a lot better opposition than Andy. Andy had that one win over, uh, over Anthony. But then you, if you put Joshua and Wilder and say you put it over, uh, well, you don't want to put it in the UK because that would be difficult time-wise. Mm. I think that's a massive fight. I would love to see AJ back in the U.S. to try to, I mean, it's been, what, three years now since. Yeah, put uh, him in the garden again and have them go fight. Back, go back to the garden. No, the garden, the garden might be his own bad luck charm. <laughs> <laughs> but you got to, like, if you're AJ, don't, wouldn't you want to come back to the U.S. at some point? You can't, like, end your career with, your only fight in the U.S. being knocked out by Andy Ruiz, like that—that that would just—if I was AJ, that would sit with me. That would like—that would bother me some. But it, look, if it is Ruiz, um, we talked about Wilder's weight being down. I want to see Ruiz. I want to see fat Andy Ruiz, like as as big as he needs to be going into that fight. Because whoa, 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 whoa! Now he was two hundred eighty-three pounds. Not that fat. No, like, but like two two sixty. Jamel two sixty two seventy. Because I mean, you guys have seen this too. It feels like skinny Andy Ruiz is a little bit too chinny. Like skinny Andy Ruiz against Chris Ariola I mean, got yeah, caught. I mean, uh, but, but his speed is his speed is, his speed and athleticism is there. But I get what you're saying. He might have to put a little bit more on in terms of taking those heavyweight punches. But I mean, we don't want to see him. <laughs> I don't want to see. I don't even want to see him at 270. I want to see him where he's, he's still athletic and use his hand speed. It was still entertaining the fight. But I get what you're saying, go Chris. I really do. Yeah, the, the, the hand speed is hand speed's always going to be there. Um, it's. <laughs> Kind of some of the other things as well, but the I mean, water is really quick too. Yeah, and a fast guy like water hitting you, uh, and you're and you're slow because you put on <laughs> 25 extra pounds. I think that's bad yeah, news. That's that's a problem. That's a problem for sure. Um, all right, I want to talk a little about women's boxing. The all women's yes. boxing card, headlined by Clarissa Shields' grudge match with Savannah Marshall, was by all accounts a smashing success, selling out the O2 Arena. Drawing an audience of more than 2 million, that according to Sky Sports. This is the second monster women's headline card this year, following up the Katie Taylor, Amanda Serrano show last April at the Garden. That fight did an audience of 1.5 million on DAZN. Women's boxing is growing fast, fellas. Yeah. It really is. And this might seem crazy, but you know, could we get to a point in the next few years where the biggest and most compelling fights just in totality per year are being put on by women. Jamel, are we getting, is there a chance we could get into that territory? I mean, yeah. I mean, most people, they won't, they won't like it or admit to it, but um, for the last couple of years, we, we've been seeing that. I mean, look, even look back as far as, as far as um, Sinisa versus Marlene, that was, that, that was a, that was a hell of a good fight. And it was for three and it was three minute rounds. So it's, the more women actually fight and strive for the, you know, for these moments, I believe I believe they're get them. I mean, even like I said, looking back at that fight, they act for three minute rounds and and, and they and they got three minute rounds and it's it actually a very entertaining fight. And like like you put mentioned, when you put in um Serrano, Taylor, um Cl Cl Clarissa and, and Savannah, at least at least at least for the most part, the, in terms of the women, they're making the fights that the fans are asking for, and, and they're not doing a lot of um, back and forth on, on social media. Yes, they, they, I mean, we've seen Bumgarner and May, Mayor, they, they did a lot of social media back and forth, but at the same time, they still got in the ring and fought each other in the end. Nowadays, you see a lot, especially with the one, especially in the men's 
lightweight division, you see a lot of these guys just constantly talking, but you don't see no pen on paper. Yeah, Kevin, that's a great point. Women consistently make the big fights, unification fights, the fights that we want to see, whereas in on the men's side, we're often left disappointed. And we look at the depth of talent now from the top ranks with Clarissa Shields to the lower weights with Sinisa Estrada and everything in between. Um, it, more talent's coming. Like, th this is the beginning. Look at what, what it I was wrote. five years ago, where it is now, five years from now. There are going to be even more talented women in the game. And these women are fighting each other. They're doing it off pay-per-view. And oftentimes, they're doing it in an entertaining way. I mean, not every woman is and they're filling, a power and, puncher. And they're filling up arenas, though, too, as well. Yes, so, so you, that's a big thing, too. MSG was full. Well, not here. Not no, here. They're well, MSG. Taylor Serrano did, MSG, but that's... You know what? I want to answer you guys by okay. saying, "Are you fucking crazy? It's going to be bigger than men's boxing." Right? Say no, that. I wouldn't say it's it, not. But, but it, that doesn't mean it doesn't. In, ter in terms of like popularity, it is it, 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 catching up because, like I said, over the weekend you, you see, let's try to see right, but it's of, been here. Like over the weekend, you've seen a lot of people more more excited for the women's card than the two other cards, in my opinion. Well, Jamel, I, I, I love the women's card, and I wrote a column after that uh, fight just praising the card and praising what women are doing. And I and I give all of them credit, and I mentioned about 10 women in the thing, Jessica McCaskill. Uh, I mean, so many you know of the women fighters, I love the attitude that they have and what they are doing. But to remotely suggest it's ever going to be bigger than men's boxing, no way. And I mean, that's like saying the WNBA in a couple of years is going to overtake the NBA, right? It's not happening. No, and, but, and but then, Kevin, Kevin, the end, the problem is my, my argument with you there, I don't necessarily disagree with you that right. men's boxing will always have a, a leg up on women's boxing, but the NBA would never allow the WNBA or give them the opening because the Lakers have right. to play the Warriors. The Celtics have to play the Knicks. Like, you know, the, these matchups are going to consistently happen in the NBA. Right. If we get more years like we've had this year where there have been a handful of quality men's fights, quality men's cards, but too often we're left with A-side versus D-side, and that's not the kind of matchup no, that I will grow the that. sport. I love, you know what, I love what's going on in boxing now from the standpoint, I've written several times in, in recent months about a golden age of boxing. We have so many great young fighters on both the men's and the women's side. And we didn't mention Jerron Ennis before, but we look at all this nonsense mm -hmm. at welterweight and we don't have Jerron Ennis and Virgil Ortiz fighting, right? I mean, that, that's just a crime. These guys, we want to see those guys. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Now I'm supposed to talk here about what I remember and what I loved about my first car. And that's easy for me to do because I still have my first car. And as long as it keeps running, and so far so good, I intend to have that car probably until the day I die. Uh, that's how much I love that car. It is like a child to me. Now, it does require some upkeep, and that's why I'm grateful for a place like eBay Motors. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly. Brake kits, LED lights, roof racks, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only, exclusions apply. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. 
I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. And recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray rock the baby to sleep and slam dunk. As well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry. Back to Iguodala. Up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James. LeBron James. And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storr on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Big fights and significant fights. And it's almost like they have to wait for Spencer Crawford to get their business done till they get their time up. So I, I love what is going on in boxing, but hey, let's look at women's boxing and what is going on. And how many promoters are really committed to women's boxing? I, I would say two, Matchroom, Eddie Hearn, and Lou DiBella. Who else? Top rank signed Sinisa, and that was their second woman. And they had to call their other woman to see if it was okay if they signed her, right? Top rank, I think, is the leading promoter in the sport overall. And I think if top rank... Uh, made a commitment to women, that would be huge, but they have not done that. Um, Golden Boy, you know, blew it, you know, uh, with their, you know, with their women, they're not really doing it. There's not this commitment to women from the promoters and it has to start there. And I, I, I love what's going on in women's boxing. And I think it's give Clarissa Shields credit. We haven't mentioned her name too much here, but this woman is, look at she's doing going out there and fighting three divisions winning undisputed what two of them and unified in the third i mean it's amazing what she's doing and she's setting the tone for her peers we don't see that in boxing but i think it's a long way away from catching up well good good hey carol give what you're saying though kevin but and and, i mean everything you said was correct in terms of um not enough um big powerhouses are pushing you know the, the 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 subject here but at the same time with that being said when, when these women still put on a, um, they still make these fights happen, people are still tuning in. And, and, and despite the little, the little backing that they may have, they still make a, a huge, they still have made a huge impact over this weekend. And, and people are still talking about it. People are looking for a rematch even between Mayhem, Bumgarner, and even, um, even others are now, um, from what I've seen in my end, are looking forward to Sneeze's shot of making, making her return. And she has been out for almost, almost a year, but people are still wanting to see where she's at, how she looks, and what she can do you know, from here moving forward. So I believe at the end of the day, it starts somewhere. And yes, it's not where we would love for it to, to be, but you got to start, you have to start the foundation somewhere. And I believe that women's boxing is, is heading in the right direction. Well, I agree it's heading in the right direction. I the only my only disagreement is with Chris's contention about surpassing men's boxing. I'm, Other than yeah, that, yeah, I agree with right. <laughs> I, would, I would okay. I I pointed out that I don't think it's going to ever Right, eclipse it, um, but it will continue to narrow the gap. By the way, with Sinisa Estrada returning November what twelfth, uh, you, you could point out that that fight in Las Vegas, most of the tickets being bought ain't getting bought by Janabek fans. That's for sure. <laughs> like he, he ain't he ain't selling tickets. The the middleweight champion of the world is not selling tickets uh, to that fight, or at least one of the middleweight champions of the world. I, I just like I, there were three cards last weekend. One was headlined by the undisputed lightweight champion. One was headlined by the former heavyweight champion. And to me, the most interesting fight that weekend was the co-main event of the women's card with Michaela Mayer and Alicia Baumgartner. The second like most interesting know- fight, the second most interesting fight was Clarissa Shields against Savannah Marshall. <laughs> like on a weekend where the undisputed lightweight champion was in action and the former heavyweight champion was in action. The most compelling fights to me that that interested me the most were the two women's fights. I, I, I love them. And I, I sat there. You know what I did on Saturday? This is how 
much I was into it. I sat down and I watched the women's card. I wrote a recap on Baumgartner Mayer. I wrote a recap on Shields uh, and uh, Marshall. I wrote a column on women's boxing Shields Marshall after that fight. I wrote a recap on uh, Devin Haney. I wrote a recap on the UFC, which was a women's fight. And then I, I wrote a recap and a column on Deontay Wilder. So what was that? Seven stories that I did in a in a little period of time. So I agree with you that, that, that those women's fights were absolutely worthy of it. And I love what the women are doing. And I think that... The, a, I think promoters should invest more money in women. And I do think, as we have discussed, that the fact that the women are having success is going to breed future success for the women. But here's one thing, Chris, let me throw this at you and see what you guys think. Like, I think Sinisa Estrada's debut for Top Rank is a big moment for her and for women's boxing, because now a very elite women's boxer is going to join the biggest promotional company in the sport. So why put it on a night when there's a major UFC card, right? That is going to be a significant detriment to them in terms of the ratings. And I, you know, I know we don't have a huge crossover, but I think they should have set uh, Sinise's first fight where she had the stage to herself and, and she was the main event. I think if they did that, that was top rank showing a commitment to women's boxing and to this fighter in particular. And I think that should have happened. I'll be interested to see what happens next year because however you want to define it, women's boxing closed the gap a little bit with men. Still far behind, but it closed the gap a little bit. Agreed. As we look ahead to next year, I can see women's boxing closing it a little bit more because we're probably going to get Taylor Serrano 2 at some point. We're probably going to get uh, Alicia Baumgartner unification, maybe Alicia Baumgartner against Katie Taylor at some point before the end of the year. Maybe we get a rematch between Clarissa Shields and Savannah Marshall, or we see Clarissa Shield become this, Shields become this like British slayer and stays over in the UK and fights Natasha Jonas or fights Terry Harper and his other 154s that have joined the ranks there. Like these are big cards, Kevin, that we can probably count on. Whereas in men's boxing, I don't know what we can count on exactly. next year. Like, exactly. can you name one big fight that you can count on next year besides Fury Usyk? I'm counting on. That's going to happen. Those two want to fight each other. But other than that, I can't think think of anything at this point. I'm really disappointed in Fury, right? And and why the hell is he fighting Derek Chisora? A terrible fight. He's already destroyed him twice. Now we're doing it a third time. And and I don't understand what, what the nonsense he's been doing is. He's retired. He's under-retired. He's putting deadlines on AJ, putting deadlines on Usyk. And now he comes up with this fight, which is a weak fight. And who it's a who cares fight. Um, so the women, you know, the women are totally opposite that. You know, what did Clarissa Shields say after the fight? You know, ask if she would give Marshall a rematch. She says, well, if the public wants it, I'll do it. That's the answer. That is the answer. And that's what women say all right. the time. And I think, you know, we're going to have a lot more unification fights. You know, we could have at that at that flyweight level, we could have, you know, a, a junior flyweight and a flyweight, you know, undisputed champions then fighting each other. Right. I mean, that is a possibility for the second half of next year. Hey, why not, uh, you know, why not invest in that and, and put more money in it? I think the promoters are the are the hold up here. Hey, I'd be all for running that whole women's boxing card back in Detroit. Like, do that at, like, Little Caesars Arena or the MGM Grand out there or something big and run that whole card back because you've got Clarissa, Alicia, run it all back. Everybody gets rich. Everybody's interested once again. Um, I I'd be on board with something like that. Football season is heating up, and now is the perfect time to download FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Because right now, new customers get a no-sweat-first bet up to $1,000. That's free bets back if your first bet doesn't win. Just sign up with the promo code BOXING. I've been betting a little bit on the NFL this year, a lot about boxing, as you guys know, every single week. And I only use FanDuel to make these bets. FanDuel has a ton of betting options for each game. You can combine your bets for a chance at a bigger payout with the same game parlay. With live betting, you'll get updated odds on games that have already started. The app is safe, secure, and super easy to use. Get paid your winnings fast. So sign up today with the promo code BOXING for your no-sweat first bet. Make every moment more this season with FanDuel, official sportsbook partner of the NFL. I want to get Jamel's take on this. This wasn't what I wanted to talk about, but Kevin brought it up. Uh, I really...
Kevin, I, I couldn't possibly give a shit about Fury Chisora. Like, Fury tried to make the Usyk fight, like, so I give him credit for that. He tried to make that fight. Usyk was the one that says, I'm done for the rest of the year. The Joshua fight was never really going to happen because super fights are not put together in, like, three weeks. That Like, right. they're going to fight, if they do fight, it's going to be in, like, Abu Dhabi or Jeddah for a kajillion dollars at some point in 2023. Like, th that was obvious. And if, it's, if he's really determined to fight in December, like, Kevin... Uh, Kevin, you asked this first, then Jamel, you weigh in. Like, sure. like, was he supposed to like fight Zhang Jalei or like some like who was he supposed to fight? Like, if if he's not fighting well, Derek Jasor, like who would you rather see him in? That makes sense. Understanding this is a stay busy fight, and he's not going to take on Joe Joyce before he's going to face face Alexander Usyk. Well, when when you were setting out that question, you know, you 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 know, talked about what I think the problem with boxing is what, what, you know, you said the super fight was um, Joshua and Fury. And then Usyk was a good fight. Usyk is the freaking, un, you know, the unified champion. And that's not the big fight. And I think that, you know, in the NFL, NBA, major league baseball, NHL, the team sports winning counts and, and being successful counts and people want to see the teams that win. And in boxing, it's so much different than that. Hey, yes, you have to win, but you have to have the personality and you have to have that. Again, I, I say this. Hey, look, they were close. Ty Tyson's the one manipulating all this stuff, right? I, all I think that um, Usyk was saying is, I don't want to fight this year. But he could have fought him in January or February, right? Could, you know, give him a, a little bit of a break. But Tyson was being a bully. Usyk had just had a big fight with uh, Joshua. Give him a little time off, and then he'll he'll fight him. Or he he puts the you know the deadline. Hey, what did? Um, Eddie Hearn and Joshua say they were willing to agree to the terms and get the fight, but there's just little nuance to get it done. And then they couldn't do it. Well, I just think Tyson is to blame. And I think is, I'm not sure what he was doing with all this craziness. You know, he's retired, then he's coming back then he's retired again and all this. But I, th I think the fight to make was Usyk and you didn't have to fight December 3rd. No, I mean, Kevin, you, you, you were spot on with that. Um, Honestly, I, I was just tired with the back and forth between Tyson and his decision for the last couple of months and what he was going to do. I mean, most of us already assumed that he wasn't going to retire, but when he did come back saying that he wanted to fight um, Anthony Joshua, I, I thought it would make sense, especially for British boxing. Um, obviously, it, it would have also made better sense to fight a guy who's sick, who's also, you know, the unified world champion to where they can have an undisputed world champion. But right now, yeah, nobody wants to see the um, Chisora fight. Absolutely not. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe again, like 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 Chris said earlier, we just can't predict what's gonna happen in, in the new year because every time we 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 get the um, we get the talk, so we get the high hopes of having a big fight. We always get we always get thrown something that we totally didn't didn't ask for at all. I tell you what, though, Jamel, like Fury Chisora will sell out O2 Arena or something like that. It, it will, like, because Chisora will like throw a table at him and like they'll be interested in it like before the fight and like the. Will will be people will be talked into Chisora having half a chance, and it'll do a decent pay per view buy. It'll sell it in arena, and it's it. I just think it's fine for a fight that Fury just wants to sh keep keep active and doing. And Kevin, I think he's gonna fight Usyk like before April. Probably probably do it outdoors anyway if you can do a big crowd. So you want to push it as you know deeper into the spring as you can. I just I you know I, the consternation over this Chisora fight is a little bit bizarre to me. It's it's it, like they're the the boxing purists out there that want to see like. You know, what's he going to do, fight Jared Anderson? <laughs> stay busy, fight? Like, what? He's just trying to stay active in the ring, and I have no problem with him fighting uh, Alexander Usyk. All right, one more thing for you guys. Uh, we mentioned Devin Haney. Beats George Cambosis. To Devin's enormous credit, goes to Australia twice, wins the Undisputed Championship, makes a whole bunch of money, and now he's free to do effectively whatever he wants, whether it is Vasily Lomachenko or a move to 140 pounds. Jamal, I want to ask you this. What's the weigh-in for Haney against uh, Cambosis? Haney's not 135 pounds. Like, Haney was bone dry right. at that weigh-in. And he's been now, – now he's going to get, you know, nudged in the direction of Lomachenko. I know that's a fight Haney has wanted for a number of years. Yeah. But what would you do? Given, like, you saw Haney in the ring. You saw him the day before. Yes, he's still a young guy, just 23 years old. But I don't know, like Teofimo Lopez, it's always stuck with me. One thing Teofimo Lopez said in the aftermath of the loss to Cambosis was he should have dropped the belts and moved up to 140 before that. Now, that may have been Monday morning quarterbacking because he lost, but 
if you're Devin Haney, don't you have to consider kind of moving up one fight too early rather than one fight too late? Because if you don't come in at 100% against Lomachenko, he's going to carve you up. Long night. Yeah, um, I'm, I, of course. If anything, um, with me first, I would tell um, if he does decide to stay at 135 pounds, he definitely needs to um, get a nutritionist for starters. He can't. He can't do it. He can't do it the old-fashioned way. He's been doing it because obviously, if you look at his weighing in the first Campos's fight to the second one, completely different character, completely different. You know, um, person stepping on that scale. And and you're right. Maybe maybe it is time for him to move up. But if if he really still wants, because like I said, the, the cards are, the cards are in his hand. If he if he really wants to say, hey, hey Bob, I want I want this fight, then he has to make the um the smart decision of, of bringing someone else on his team to help him cut that weight safely and, you know, and, and naturally. But if, if you feel like, if you feel like it's time to move up, then it, I don't think many are going to hold them to, you know, hold them against that. Hey, it's time to move up. You, you, you are, you are a big lightweight. Maybe it's time to see what's up north at 140 pounds. Kevin, um, it's not like there aren't great options for Haney at 140 either. You can argue that 140 is one of the deepest divisions in all of boxing now. Heavy at the top with Teofimo. Ryan Garcia's there at the moment. Regis Progre. Those titles, Josh Taylor's still got one, but that's going to go at some point as well. Uh, it might just make sense for Hayne to move up, take a medium-level fight at 140 to get used to it, and then summer of 2023, look for that Teofimo fight. Look for that Ryan Garcia fight. Look for that Progre fight and start taking big fights there. I think Devin Haney is going to be the guy that benefits a lot because he has so many options. You know, you look at lightweight, if he stays at lightweight, you know, you got Shakur Stevenson there. What a fight that would be, him and Shakur Stevenson. Uh, Loma, as you said, uh, you know, if, if he could put Tank Davis together, you know, we know what probably will happen there. But, you know, I'll just th throw it out that uh, Tank Davis is the biggest draw. But, uh, <laughs> you know, you know that we know uh, – there is uh, a lot of talent in both divisions, right? So he has a lot to pick from. And, and hey, I, I agree with what Jamel said. You know, you don't hold it against him if he decides you can't make it. And I also agree Jamel made the perfect point. And I think this is probably where he'll go is get a nutritionist in camp, have somebody keep him on point. Because he's a big dude. What is he, like five, eight and a half, mm -hmm. five, nine? Wide and, shoulders, you know, too. Pretty, like, yeah. pretty broad shoulders yeah. and everything. So, you know, it, you know he's not going to be a, a lightweight for the long term. But if you if you can get that big fight, and I think Loma would qualify as a big fight, even though Loma's maybe not what he was a couple of years ago. Loma's still damn good. And uh, that would be a big fight for him to then ride off into the sunset. You've defended your undisputed title a second time against uh, a really good uh, opponent. And you, you know, go up to 140 and you'll be the guy that everybody wants to see fight. They'll be calling you out. 147s will be calling him out, right? I mean, he's going to have a lot of options. I think Devin Haney is going to make a lot, a lot of money in the next couple of years. Yeah. Um, you, you know, Jamel and those top ranked guys love those perfecting athletes people. They, they love them. <laughs> yeah, they, they swear by those perfecting <laughs> athletes, folks. Um, you know, Jamel, you know what I also love about Devin Haney? And I've told him this. Like, He's he's not aligning himself with anybody. And, 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 I mean, look, he started his career fighting on Showbox as an independent. He signs with Eddie Hearn. He makes a whole bunch of money. Doesn't get the fights he's looking for, so he signs with Top Rank. And now he's got one more fight left with Top Rank. Maybe it's against Lomachenko. Maybe it's against Teofimo Lopez. And then he can make another choice. Like, he can elect to go back and do a new deal with Top Rank. He can elect to align himself maybe with Golden Boy even to try to get a Ryan Garcia fight. Like, I love that approach. Like this, it's like the approach, and Kevin knows this, that Sugar Ray Leonard took back in the day. Sugar Ray Leonard didn't align himself with anybody. He right. just was like, you know what? I'm gonna take the fights I want to take. I mean, too often it feels like, like the like fighters are just so deeply loyal to promoters. And the reality is, like if Devin Haney had lost to Cambosis, Top Rank would have cut him. Like it just like promoters will just cut you if you lose. I mean, I mean you've experienced some of this, Jamel. Like you know, if you lose, you all of a sudden you're in a tough situation um, with your with your promoter. So sure. I I love that Devin is operating this way because it opens up all the options for himself at multiple weight classes. It allows him to go to the location or the promoter that will pay you the most amount of money, and it will give you opportunities to burnish your legacy. I mean, Dev Devin wants to be a pound for pound guy. Right now, I'm not sure that he is, but he can get there because he's got the talent. Definitely. And now he can go wherever he wants to go and fight those big fights. Agreed.
Agree. Like, um, agreed. Um, I, I like, I, I like how he's playing it. Like you said, he has a, he has everything that he wants in the palm of his hand. Um, if he wants to move up north for his last fight, then so be it. He wins there. He can come back to the table, renegotiate with top rank. Um, go back to, to you know, talk with Eddie Hearn again, and like you said, or even speak with Golden Boy about about a Ryan Garcia fight. Because you know Ryan Garcia is also looking to make a, a big fight because it's it's, a, it's about that time. So I'm I'm pretty sure he's feeling the pressure and he needs that he needs that name on his resume as well. So but Devin Haney is definitely in a, in a good position not only to make the the most money but the best fights for for his um legacy as well. Yeah, I love the the potential for Devin Haney at 140 and then eventually 147 in all the years to come. Uh, Kevin Ioli, Yahoo Sports. Uh, Jamel Herring, former 130-pound champion. Also, ESPN broadcaster. When's your next uh, fight, Jamel? Doing a great job. Next fight, uh, I, I, I was, I'll luckily, have, I'll luckily be honored to be ringside against Lomachenko, against Jermaine Ortiz, while I last fought. But um, no, I'm actually looking forward. I'm actually looking forward to that. I'll, I'll be back then um, for the in, in, at the Garden. And so I'm actually, I'm actually happy to, to see some live boxing again up close. Well, you well actually, now that we're talking to you, you give Jermaine Ortiz a shot in that fight. The pride of Worcester, Massachusetts, by the way, as a Boston guy. Oh, yeah, you know, I, know, I, 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 I have nothing against Ortiz, um, but I feel like it's never, it's never an easy night for anyone against um, Vasily Lomachenko. Um, you, yeah. you have to, you have pretty much almost perfect with a guy like that, with a guy like Lomachenko, especially if you, if you look at the mindset of it, if a, of a fighter, if Lomachenko looks at it as, listen, if I get past Ortiz, I, I potentially have a shot to become Undisputed world champion, which which was which what what he wants, what he um what he craves for, I believe that uh, Lomachenko is, is very dangerous and, and and not taking no for an answer coming up. But again, he's not the same like you point out. He's not the same Lomachenko as he, as he was three years ago. And, and Ortiz is, is a young, hungry fighter, so we'll have to wait and see. But of course, you have to side with Vasily Lomachenko on that night of the fight. Yeah, coming off a long layoff to Lomachenko as he uh, returns from Ukraine to get back into the uh, boxing game. Fellas, great stuff. Good to talk to you. Thanks for joining me here on the show. No problem, Chris. That's it for this week's episode. My thanks to Jamel Herring and Kevin Ioli for joining the show. As always, subscribe, rate, review this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you download podcasts. And I'll see you next week. I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying a, a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love, Love at first, first listen. listen. We're older, we're wiser, and we're podcasting through a new decade of our lives. This season, we're falling in love with podcasting all over again. And getting to the heart of our stories. We're going places we've never gone before, and we're bringing you along with us. With new segments, correspondence, and a brand new sound. Season 9 is kicking off with an intimate interview with Grammy Award-winning singer-songwriter Natalia Laforcade. What's giving you hope right now? Well, when I see what music does to people it gives me a lot of hope if you liked locatora before you're gonna love season nine subscribe to our show and you'll see why locatora is your prima's favorite podcast listen to locatora radio as part of the michael Cultura podcast network available on the iHeartRadio app apple podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Cain Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals, Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast.